Hi guys, welcome to the Spoken Podcast, um, episode seven today. I am here with Carrick Petford, owner of La Femme Tattoo House, multiple locations. Um, and we're here today to, yeah, get a bit of an insight into um, CAG's, a bit of his background about La Femme, clothing brand and everything. So I'd learn more about you, CAG's, you Yay. know. Welcome, mate. Thank What's you very on, much. I know you're so busy, so I'm like, let's make this a quick one. I know you are flat out. The shop is absolutely pumping, which is amazing. We so make time for friends. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Always, always. I know. And I know Pete will do his trusty work again and tag Cags' shop and everything like that in the actual. Put it in there, yeah, no, like that. Like that, Pete. Ooh. Put it in, Pete. All right, cool. Best part of the show? Your five best songs. The songs. I've got them, we preempted this. I know. It is not easy to choose your favorite five songs of your entire life. But we're gonna go with a few that came to the top of my head. Dizzy Rascal, I Love You. UK Garage, bro. Yeah. From the days, it's from so the young weird. days when you don't know who you're gonna be, what you're gonna turn out like. I love that. So much fun. Um, representing both sides of my family, to be honest. English side, Dizzy Rascal. Yep. Second, Scribe from New Zealand. Not many remix. It's a banger too. Only the old heads will know that one. So you young folks, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, they'll just go like that. Little bit of G unit. Lloyd Banks on fire. Um, another old one. Fabulous. Breathe. And then I'm pretty sure this song's in the Eight Mile movie, but I'm not exactly sure if it is or not. I might be getting it mistaken. But Gangstar Battle. It's a tune. If you haven't heard it, banging on Spotify now. It's a it's a banger. Right, we'll link it to the Spotify. We'll link it. I wonder if Pete could play like little clips in this. Just get smashed with copyright. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From my podcast experience, I, I think you get a little bit, but yeah, not too like much. two seconds, whatever it is. Um, all right, cool. So I've gone with a little bit of my, um, I was telling Cags earlier, I've gone through a little bit of like an R&B week or two. Um, so I've gone ludicrous, my chick bad, um, which she's not, but I thought I'd just put that in there anyway. Um, I've gone Buster Rhymes, Break Your Neck. What? Yeah. I know, classic. Um, 50 Cent in the club. Oh my God, amazing. D12 fight music. Another banger. And then I didn't tell you about this one, but I went, forgot about Dre by Dr. Dre and Eminem. You took some inspo from mine. I, I did, like that's it. what I mean. I was I like, like it. well, I heard a couple of cags and I thought, ah, oh, that's kind of, it, you got to, yeah. It's the same vibe. Yeah, well, we are the same vibe. What so it's like, yeah. What a bunch of tunes. I know, exactly. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. So let's talk about young cags. Let's talk about leaving school. Ooh. What was kind of the um, what was the thought process after school? What was it like? Did you have a kind of a career goal as to what you wanted to do? I don't even know if that? I've even told you this yeah. before. <laughs> to be honest, I might have. I don't know the amount of conversations we've had, but. Obviously, I wasn't too into school. I left after year 10. I didn't like the whole, you've got to do this, you've yep. got to do that. I just wanted to do my own thing. Um, but the first legitimate job, legitimate job that I got was, I was a hairdressing apprentice. Were you really? Yeah. You never Which told me that. that. I, didn't, I didn't know if I did or not. I did it in surface um, in like an Asian owned like salon. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that all the, the hairdressers like, rented their seats because yep. they all were quite different towards me but i just swept the floor and threw all the towels in the washing yep. machine and then threw them in the dryer and thought i was 
progressing when I got to actually like wash people's yep. hair. <laughs> I love that. You want a job? No, thanks. <laughs> um, but I think I did it for almost a year, which is what they said you need to do before we'll teach you anything. Yep. But I just kind of, I, I enjoyed the, like being around the people and that sort of stuff. But I just kind of knew that it wasn't for me. And I saw my eyes sort of going in a different direction. Like I wanted to, I just kind of wanted to create something a little bit more that I was more into, I guess. Yeah. 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 Like I knew that it was going to be a long track to get to be able to, like, to be able to sort of put a really nice haircut on someone's head. It wasn't going to be an overnight thing. Yeah. And the fact that I was literally just sweeping and washing and cleaning was, you've got to do the hard yards and I've done it multiple in multiple industries to, yeah, get, no, to exactly. get to where I am now. But because I was so young, I think I probably just gave up because I thought it might be too hard. Yep. Could be, could be the truth. I don't know. It feel, my, my teenage years feel so long. I, I know. And this is one thing which I know we've spoken about previously as well. Like there's some parts I'm like, oh, that, that I can't even remember that part of my life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I reckon you would have been a great hairdresser. <laughs> like genuine. I'm like, I, I do, I, I do my brother's hair now. Yeah. They're too, they're too stingy to go to the barber. Yep. So they just go quick, get the clippers and we'll do a little 100%. fade, a little fade and a little trim and a beard trim. It's important. Yeah. Big time. Look at this. It's hiding my the lines are many tunes. But there you go. <laughs> it's trying to peak. You need to edit this so it looks skinny. Um <laughs> a filter. Yeah, no, amazing. So after hairdressing, apprenticeship. So I was in Surface Paradise. The and then one guy I saw one guy walking down the street and he basically blew me away. Like he was just so out there and just different. And I was like, he's got a cool haircut, he yep. had way out there clothes. And I was like, dude, what is this guy doing? And then like, I saw where he walked back to and it was a clothing store. Cool. And then that store ended up moving to a different place, Pacific Fair and stuff like that. But I ended up shopping in the same shop and just so I could see that, like see what that guy was yeah, doing. And I went in there and I just looked at like the singlets and I was like, whoa, 150 bucks for a singlet. I'm like 16. Yeah. And I'm like, 150 bucks will get me going for like a couple of weeks or a month or like a few weekends. Yeah. Um, and that just sparked something in me. Like, what is this? What's going on? This oh, shop's here. Cool. It must be, there's got to be something I'm missing out on. And then I just started to sort of continually go back there. And I saved up some money so I could buy some stuff. Obviously, I bought the lower end of the scale, yep. the cheapest things in the shop. I'd buy the singlet. The shop was called Cadillac Cowboy, yep. just for people's reference. Um, and I ended up becoming friends with the guys, the owners, and I ended up being offered a job there. Sick. And then I just started working retail. So, and then that crept into my next adventure and the next thing. And I, lo I love it. So going on to your next adventure, let's hear about that, which is one thing which I suppose you were kind of probably midway through that adventure when we first started knowing each other, I suppose. Yeah. It would have been, what's that? 12, was it 12 years? I'm not, I don't know. I'm bad with this. I know, stuff. me too. Um, but yeah, let's talk about... Basically, yeah. So it sparked my sort of... It just sparked me to... I saw what people were buying and all the stuff in the shop was the best stuff in this sort of like style. Yeah. Um, men's fashion. And at that time too, it was a very minimal select amount of guys that would spend that sort of money on clothes. So it was mainly a lot of the customers were female. Yeah. And um, But they still had 50-50 men's and women's. But I saw a big gap for stuff that, like a big gap in the market for stuff that was like not too expensive, but not also cheap and yep. design-wise too. Because I was like, I don't want to pay that much for that. And I don't want to pay that much for that. What can I just make the thing in the middle yeah. myself? Yeah. 
And then, yeah, that took me into graphic design, which took me to Bali. And yep. then I basically became a self-taught fashion designer. Yeah, which is amazing. Which, which is, is something that nearly everybody, every second person is on the Gold Coast now. But exactly. we're talking 2009 is yep. when I launched the first collection and the brand, Yep. which is before Instagram, before websites. I sold on MySpace and eBay. That's amazing. So for all you little children... <laughs> That are just but like flopping things on the gram and making shitloads. Well I done. I appreciate it. I respect I it. But it was a different game back then for sure. 100%. Yeah. How do you think you would have gone if you had Instagram oh, back then? I don't know. It's too hard to say. In the, I was all, Because we had a sales agency that were representing my brand from the very beginning, which I was very lucky, which is why it was quite successful early. Um, they were always steering me to do the more basic things because that's where the money was. But yep. my, my designs were a little bit more, it was, the style was like Metro at the time. Yeah. I guess they call it like Metro and the necks were wider. The pants were tighter. It was, it was, it was a cool time. A hundred percent. And yeah, the colors were out there. Like, not like now, like obviously all black, yep. like just simple <laughs> and classic, but like, yeah, then it was more expression. Um, and my designs were a bit more like concepty. Like it yeah. was like, I was just, I was pushing the limits and they were pulling me back. So 100%. yeah, I was like the, the horse and they were the rider pulling, yeah. keep pulling the reins to keep me in check. It's, it's so funny. Cause I still remember like Scolzi, one of our mutual friends. I remember rocking up to training in, I was basically head to toe in your stuff. And he was just like, he goes, Kags had a sale on, did he? And I was like, ah, <laughs> cheers, Cozy, thanks, man. Because as you know, I, I love those around him. I know, exactly. Um, like, I love love your clothing. Like, it was unreal. But I was never cool enough to wear that clothing. <laughs> I always used to look in the mirror and think, what the hell am I doing? It's but I quite, winged it anyway. It was anyway. quite specific, but I tried to, like, broaden it. That yeah. was the point. Yeah. That was the point. I need. I really needed to broaden the the market yeah for the market the people that could purchase my clothes yep. and it happened yeah and it went really well but th that's that's when that was slowly the decline like the retail industry and this is over five six seven the brand was around for 10 years yeah um but yeah later on like halfway through in the time span like retail started to suffer a bit like people because websites became a thing yeah um, Facebook came out, Instagram came out and everybody was buying online and only just starting to trust that their stuff would even come if you bought yeah. it online. Yeah. Like now you just, I know it's natural fuming if your stuff doesn't come the exactly. next day, if you yeah. paid Where express, yeah. you're fuming. You can't believe it. It is crazy. And it like, I remember wearing your stuff back home. I still remember the, um, it was like a long sleeve tee with a hood on it. The hood was like stupidly long and one side was longer than the other yeah, and, him. and i remember wearing it here and people were like what the hell are you wearing right <laughs> and i wore it in the uk and everyone was like that's really nice yeah where's that from like and it goes back to what we're speaking about um that we've done in a couple of the pods which are going to come out now the the actual trends in barbering okay. like how the uk is like yeah. so far ahead yeah. same as the states and then it's now gradually it's, it's all relevant yeah i mean your hairstyles for example right we say this about you all the time it's like you were cutting in styles and you'd go people were going oh that's a bit like gnarly there's always the people the forefront people exactly. of, of everything yeah they're the one the innovators and the people that push the boundaries they're the ones who make it normal yeah they're all always a, another step ahead when it becomes normal 
Exactly. So you need the innovators. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you need, and the people who are willing to take a chance when it comes to them seeing a gap in the market too, which is obviously like people learning to be barbers. Yep. That's something that you saw that needed to be done and you've gone and done it. So congrats. Big ups. Chated. Yeah. I know. Cags have been there from the start. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like you've literally been there from the start. So I've always given my two bob. Yeah, I know, which is good. I've always needed it, which is good. Um, all right, cool. Let's talk about, you talk about taking the step and going in there. Bali. Mm. What was your thing behind going? Well, obviously, as everybody probably knows now that anyone who's tried to do any manufacturing, you can get your basic t-shirts and print on them here. And that's as far as that goes, yep. as we all do for our merchandise at our here. Also at uh, my tattoo studios as well. We do basic stuff with the print and embroidered. It's, it's only just merchandise. Yep. It's not fashion design. So that's as good as you can get in Australia. So I just, the, the only place I knew that was going to be available to sort of make anything was Bali. The, the the minimum orders were smaller yep. and obviously it's not like it's quite close it's possible to go to it's quite scary to go to china yeah um at that age i was on, i think i was 23 when i started literally uh like yeah i'm pretty sure i was 23 um i was already in with the fashion crowd on the gold coast anyway yep. and then somebody just said look meet me in bali when you go i'll give you the contacts to one person i know and he was actually a shoe manufacturer um, and then he passed me to a clothing factory. Yeah, cool. And but I had to go and do it. Yeah, I went to Bali one time, and I did. Uh, the sole purpose of that trip wasn't to gain manufacturers or yeah. do business, but I did literally ask um, every taxi driver, and everyone had. Yeah, oh, yeah my friend, of course. Yeah, I can I help you. That. I yeah. can help you, of course. <laughs> I didn't take anybody out because we were too busy on the piss and having fun. Exactly. That was just a fun trip. That was that. That was when I was eighteen. Yeah. And then it took another five years for me to actually think that I could like get any save any money and get a little bit of education behind myself to yeah. be able to think that I could actually do it but once I got there and I met it all just clicked it was all yeah it's like I was already previously trained just before I went to Bali I think I'd done 12 months at a uh, full-time graphic design yeah. course so and everything I did in that graphic design course was fashion-based like they're telling me to do this and that and do this and I was like mm, yeah and I just twisted it my own way yeah. and did did things that were relevant to me. Yeah, that's and cool. They, they, and there's another guy in the class too. He ended up being a really good tattoo artist. And he actually works at the shop just down close to oh, us amazing. now, which is cool. But he did the same thing. So he was designing all his stuff in the graphic yep. design class solely for tattooing, which was cool. So we sort of became friends because we were like, we're not doing this to become a graphic designer. Exactly. We're doing this to gain skills that we that's can cool. use in our own in our own industries later. Yeah, that's sick. But basically, as soon as I got it, I jumped on the plane. I even went, I think I even went to Bali halfway through the course. Yeah. Um, and I did my first sample collection, which probably, I think it only cost me like two to $3,000. I just got one of every single thing made. Yep. Um, and then I brought it back and gave it to the agency and then they did the sales trip. It took about six months until I sort of received the email, the final orders and they were updating these gently Yeah. because they didn't want to <laughs> yeah, like, like either, that. I don't know, they didn't, they didn't want me to have too much expectation because it's yep. my very first collection and I was, I was extremely stoked to have somebody selling it for me yep. just to have just to have an agency with big brands like Nana Judy now they do Coachella and like all the they do big things in America they got a shop on Melrose in, in, in LA yeah, that's and awesome. they were literally sitting right next to me on the same on like the, my rack and their rack yeah. same agency and it's only a menswear agency too and a small boutique one at that maybe eight brands mm. so to create a collection and then be straight in there was was pretty cool yeah that's so cool 
But yeah, then I got the email and I was like, whoa, <laughs> I got to go see my nan and ask her for some money yep. <laughs> to make this up because yep. I was well out of my depth then. Yeah. But yeah, basically we just went from there. I fulfilled the order yep. and then all the stuff went out. A TNT tr- truck rocked up to my nan's house, which is where I was living at 23. And the whole back of the TNT truck was filled with boxes just for me. How good's that? And she still says it to me now. God bless her. Do you remember when we filled the garage up and then you unpacked everything and it took up the whole house? Like yep. We had trench coats, like yeah. every size, every color from the floor to the ceiling in that corner. I love it. Jeans, tees, singlets, like everything. It was it was cool times to look back on. It's cool. So when did, when was the kind of the changeover from label to tattooing? Did something click or was it just like... It was a little... It was, I guess, as I got older, I sort of... Without really knowing, I subconsciously started doing a lot of research when it came to tattooing. Like I obviously got tattoos yeah. myself, yep. which most people do anyway now. But I think I took it to the next level. Like all the, all the shows that people know, like Miami Inc., LA Inc., I was religious on that, yeah. weirdly. It was a different industry, but I was quite obsessed with watching every single... I've got all the yeah. DVDs still like in a cupboard at home. Yeah, let's see. So like, yeah, Miami Inc., LA Inc., and then it went New York Inc., and then London as well. There's a London Inc. And yeah, I got, I got quite addicted to it, really. I thought it was really cool, just the whole process of like... Because fashion at the time, it's just so passive. Like you can buy a T-shirt and especially now with fast fashion... Yeah. You buy something once and the girls can wear a dress and then they take a photo and they can't wear it again. Exactly. It's, that's what they think. Yeah. But like, that's not the way fashion should be. And that's what's polluting the planet and all yeah. the rest of it, which is why I'm not a part of it anymore. It's just too, it's too insustainable. And yeah, it, yeah, it all goes over my head now. And they, think they just post and then there's boom, they're sold out. Yeah. And Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I know. But yeah, um, it just basically, it sort of, it was, it's, Fell hand in hand with the design sort of thing. Like I had all the skills yep. to be able to create tattoo designs, but I, I actually tried to get an apprenticeship in Palm Beach as a tattoo artist. And Ooh. I went in and I was quite scared, to be honest. Um, just a little like, dude, this is like, I still had the brands. Yeah. And I was, I was doing some, some pretty like significant things in the fashion space, but it never really equated to the financial side of things yeah. that I yeah. wanted. In the beginning, it was great because I was young and I had money and I bought a nice car and yeah. I did this and blah, blah, blah. But to be really like sustainable, you needed, I, I needed to keep progressing. And it just, being in Australia, I think was my biggest downfall because I was always watching the American market and the European market. Yeah. And trying to sell into, sell my designs here was sort of nearly impossible after yeah. I sort of had a few seasons of success. But I did like showrooms in Paris and I did the Shanghai Fashion Week like showrooms as well with my second label. And it all looks great on paper and on Instagram and stuff. But yeah, it's sort of, it's, it was like a switch over when I thought yeah. I need to start making money. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of when I went, well, why, what do I spend most of my money on that's not clothing? Tattoos. Tattoos. Yeah, that's very interesting. I've never asked you that before. How crazy is that? It is. I've never <laughs> had to explain it properly, to be honest. I know. That's cool. All right. La Femme. Yeah. So <laughs> we got... Well, I was in Bali, obviously, so I didn't mention. We had, we, I opened the clothing store in Bali, the brand, the House of Ninth Life. We had, the, we had the retail location in Bali, just obviously due to going there for manufacturing and everything. Um, and my wife was and still is a, a beautician yep. from the beginning. That, so that was her first trade. Um, 
So we opened the retail shop together for the clothing brand in Bali. And then we, and then she went partners with me. So then she went, well, look, everyone's doing beauty in Bali too. Let's use your trade too. So yep. let's do that together too. We opened the beauty spa there, which is the cottage, uh, the cottage beauty house Bali on Instagram. Pete, Pete. Um, so we had those and then we just thought, look, let's use both of our skills. Like you can deck out a nice looking beauty spa and 100%. obviously run it correctly. I know how to design like interiors and this yep. fashion, blah, blah, blah. What's the second best thing that I love? Like tattooing. We actually, when we are in America on our honeymoon, we are in Brooklyn and my wife Brie got tattooed by a Russian girl in a studio that was all female artists. Yeah. So it wasn't like pretty or like really super aesthetically pleasing like mine is now, but it sort of, it, it did subconsciously sit. Okay, this is, this yeah. is different. Yeah. And I'm in Brooklyn too, so it's, yeah, like, it's like grimy and cool and then you walk in and they're all Russian or like... Yeah. Yeah, like Eastern European artists and they can just speak English. And she got a really cool tattoo. It still looks awesome now. Um, and then I just sort of said to her, like one night, I'd, give, I'd spit ideas at her all the time, weekly. It'd yeah. be like, what should we do? What, do you like this? And she'd just go, can you stop? This is silly. Yep. Um, but one <laughs> night, I think I literally just said, like just before bed, like, what do you think about doing like an all-female tattoo shop here? Like in, this is when we were living in Bali. Yeah. And she literally just like looked at me with like a funny face and was like, that's a pretty cool idea. And then... My analytical business brain just does a smack bang checklist. Yep. Like what's in the way? Okay, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? Yep. And it kind of just went and nothing sort of was stopping me. Yeah, I that's, love that. Yeah. I like, love that. As soon as so you hit cool. a checkpoint, then yeah, discuss yeah. it. There wasn't really a checkpoint. There was some small hiccups, obviously. All right, we'll talk in the morning. But the conversation was probably a half an hour conversation. We're supposed to go to sleep. Yeah. So I was like, we might be onto something here. And then the first thing so we mentioned cool. to each other in the morning was we just picked up on the combo. Yeah. And um, yeah, probably the easiest way to explain, it sounds like a pretty out there idea just to open a tattoo shop in Bali without any yep. previous experience. Like it does, it does sound yeah. like quite impossible, but I got, a lot, I got a lot of my main work, my arms and some of my chest done by a studio in Bali and I became really good friends with the cool. owner and he was Australian. Yep. So to be honest, I pitched the idea to him mm -hmm. and his business partner. His business partner loved it. Like he was, he was like, this guy's on something. Yeah. I love it. And he was, and I was, I was really, really close friends with him and um, different generation, probably like closer to 50 years old, the guy, Yep. but so much experience and so much support to me while I was in Bali too. Like he came to the opening of both of our previous yeah, businesses sick. and put big money on the table just to help out when yep. we just started and really helped. So I was like, cool, can I repay this guy somehow? Um, so I offered him like, will you go in it with me? Because yep. I didn't know, I didn't have any resources to get artists. Yep. I didn't have like, I knew it would probably be reasonably easy to find a place to source like the supplies and stuff like that, but I didn't have it at the time. Yeah. I knew yep. I could find a spot, make it look amazing, create cool socials, get people to come, but I didn't have any of the proper business stuff. So that's why I said, look, it's going to take a little bit of risk off me if yeah. I offer it to him. 100%. So I did. And then he said, nobody cares about what the tattoo shop looks like. And, and I was like, <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love the guy. Still do. Still talk to him now. Um, probably kicking himself, but all good. <laughs> all mine now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I got a question for you. You mentioned your lovely wife. Do you think you would have been able to do that without your partner? Nah, no way. 
Nah. It's a partnership. How All much does Brie owe me for this video, by the way? Like, I'm blowing smoke up her uh, ass. Uh, you know? <laughs> how much did I give you before? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it is, it's very much like, because a lot of people won't see that back end of what you've done. You know what I mean? Like, when you were lying in bed going like, this is what we spoke about. People, like what we mentioned before, somebody could have just been like, oh, I bet somebody just gave him cash and he did it all. And it's Absolutely like, not. I know, imagine if we did, man. Yeah. Imagine what we could do if we did. Like one so, thing, yeah. one thing, like one thing that was happening before we were discussing that. Bree was working for a wedding company in Bali, um, on an extremely low wage and doing ex- like insane hours to keep us to keep my fashion dream yeah. alive. Because like I would go in and literally like collect the money weekly and be like, how many pieces did we sell? Yep. And this was like our money. So she basically went and did something that she like. She she enjoyed it when she did it. She made some really cool friends, like lifelong friends that we're still friends with now. Yep. But um, like the amount of obviously the financial side of it compared to how many hours she was doing was ridiculous. And she, yeah, put herself out to do that for for us. Yeah, that's so amazing. We reaped the rewards from all the hard work that we've both done together. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. so cool. So, let's talk about the current shop now, in Nobby's. Yep. I was there when there was purple walls, mm. <laughs> which was amazing. I know we, around the time you were looking at that, we were hanging out quite a bit because it was like bouncing ideas off each other because we were both looking for new spaces, mm-hmm. which is quite rare, but yes. it was quite funny at the same time as well. We were like, what do you think of this? And you were cutting my hair. I know. Correct. Yeah. Don't so that. I know. The so, big boss still cuts hair. Yeah, I know. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so yeah, we were... Um, we were kind of discussing like the what areas and stuff like that, right? And doing, it was- Doing um, mental checklists together. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that space is amazing. I think it's a great area. Obviously I live around the corner, so I'm gonna say that, but it is like, I love it. I think it's such a cool area, Nobby's. It is. Um, yeah. Like Kieran, one of our trainers, he was just like, what a cool area Nobby's is. He's just moved here from Adelaide. Um, so yeah, it's like, I love that, you know, you can get something which your brand sticks out so much because it's like, boom, you know what I mean? It's so clean. It's so crisp, but it's still, you look like you have been there for so long as in like your, your business has been like structured. It's been in Nobby's like that's the heart of Nobby's for so long, if that makes sense. It, kind of, it does sit well in the, yeah. in the environment there. It's, it it's so like, it's really weird because like what you said, it's only been what, seven months, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is bonkers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, where I was getting to was what's the kind of plans for the shop? In Australia? Yeah, in Australia, yeah. Now we're at full capacity. We are sort of con- like, the discussion is like, it's open now to whether we're gonna expand or yep. do we do another location? I can't say too much about some certain things, but yeah, the, the Nobby shop is at full capacity now with yep. artists and bookings as well. So obviously it would, wouldn't be a, a silly thing to get some more space. Yeah. Um, but I can't confirm if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, exactly. Everything's, go- it's, everything's going really well. It's, it's taken this amount of time to get everything where it needs to be. Like, yeah. obviously me working in Bali with Indonesian artists, they kind of look to me for like yeah. support and, and the guidelines of how the business works and that sort of stuff. And those guys were the best. Like they got me here and I love them so much, all of them. Yeah. Um, and then working with Australian artists, it's a totally different kettle of fish. Like mm. it's everyone, like artists aren't staff. Yeah. They're creatives, like Absolutely. to get them to be on time. Sounds like, it sounds like it should be an easy thing and that sort of thing. But 
I mean, I can com- I can provide them with the a, a really good living if they're going to work with me. And, yep. they, and the ones that I have, I'm super blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. They're, they're so talented, all of them. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you still look after the socials on your page? Um, now I do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a booking manager that replies to all the Instagram yep. messages. Um, thank you. Yeah, I know. Shout out. Yeah, shout 100%. Out AC Joe Short. Put the link in there. <laughs> Miami made furniture. Sister-in-law. Got a love family. I love it. But um, I, the only reason why I say that is because, like, the page is so, like, like, it's on point. You've got a lot of followers. And I know we went through that little blip but it came back, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank lost, goodness, lost I know, um, which, yeah, thank goodness that, that came back, um, but yeah, like the, even like the videos in the shop and stuff like That's that. That's all me, unless I'm not working, yeah. then um, our, our apprentice and receptionist, like the shop manager, she's got it down too, like yeah, she'll take it. the videos and then send them to me, yeah. I do all, I, I edit, like I'll filter them, yep. um, I put the, t- the tags on and the, the songs and yeah, I do. I still do a lot. As yeah, that's like I'm, I'm attached to it because you have to be. Yeah, absolutely. You do you have to be in there? And like I work minimum four days a week, still in the studio, like meeting the, the guests and the clients, yeah. just to make sure that they know, like that they're getting. Everyone's there for them. Exactly. Like every, obviously, everyone's there to work. Yeah. And make a living for themselves, but the the customer service and the experience at La Femme is is definitely, and I can literally. Yeah, guarantee that it's it's at a different level to other Absolutely. tattoo studios, and it comes out of nearly all the customers' mouths. They literally say, "I've never seen a tattoo shop like this." Yeah, no. like especially some of our older clientele, they they don't know what to expect. The young girls now they expect it. Yeah, because they're just Instagram life. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like they expect it. They come in and they see the nice couches and the interiors, and they're like, "This is what it should be like." Yeah, but they don't know any different. So exactly, they don't, they don't come from like they're not like our generation or even the generation above us. So, yeah, a lot of people are like, wow, this is really different. And that's where my wife's, like, beautician, like, we wanted it to look like a beauty spa. Yeah, I was going to say, it's... And a fashion boutique mix. Absolutely. Perfect mix. It's a boutique tattoo house. That's that's why we didn't want to ever call it a tattoo shop. Yeah. Or a tattoo studio. Um, All of our previous businesses have had house in the name, like the Cottage Beauty House. Yeah, that's cool. House of Ninth Life. Now, this is La Femme Tattoo House. Yeah. Because it houses the... The creatives, the creation, whatever you're producing inside the business, doesn't matter if, as long as you're doing the yeah, that's doing awesome. it to the highest level, I guess. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. I know everybody's gonna kill me, and they're probably like, "Why haven't you asked them yet?" What's La Femme stand for? It means the woman in French. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because people uh, like a lot of young girls are like um, hesitant when they call yeah. to actually say the word in case they get it wrong, which is interesting. So for everybody watching. It's on Gareth's shirt. Yeah, it's La, right. Yeah. It's it's pronounced La Femme, and in French La Femme. Yeah. So yeah, English is La Femme. Maybe we should get a voiceover of Arthur, our marketing guy. Who's, yeah, get him to do it. La I'll Femme. get him to do it. He'll love that. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I love it, Kags. We are gonna because we're gonna do a part two of this one hundred percent because we could talk here all night. But. Um, like I love what you're doing. We've always said it. Every time we catch up, it's like, look what we're doing, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and yeah, maybe who knows? Equally pattern. as impressive. Yeah, it is. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's. I still don't think people see the kind of work behind. It looks fancy and glamorous. Exactly. It takes a lot of work to be able to sort of get to this place Absolutely. when you have like yeah, especially like 
a real space. Yeah. A lot of people and a lot of successful businesses now, their space is online. Exactly. And like to have a physical space really takes extra work. Absolutely. These days in this sort of climate. <laughs> yeah. Especially like, because we opened the shop in the middle of COVID. Yeah. And people were like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I go like, I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't take any risks. Exactly. And I literally, it's my bread and butter tattooing. So we need it. The Gold Coast was ready for us. Yeah. And it's proven. Yeah. One hundred percent. That's cool. That's a great way to end on, by the way. The Gold Coast was ready for us. I love that because they were one hundred percent. And it's not just the Gold Coast. I see everybody on that page, like from Perth, Sydney, Melbourne. Like we're going to Gold Coast, tagging their mates in. Like it's so cool, Cags. Honestly, I don't need to blow smoke Thank up you. your ass either. I so I know you. You know that. <laughs> but I know. But thank you so much for being here. I know you're very busy, man. So we'll get Cags back in a couple of weeks and do part two as well. So I know probably everyone's like, I can't believe you didn't ask him this. I can't believe you didn't ask him that. So we'll sort it, we'll sort it all out when we put it into part two as well. But thank you so much, my man. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And yeah, stay tuned for part dos. Thanks, guys.